Good morning, afternoon or evening, welcome once again to 1459. No matter the moment, no matter the place, wherever you're listening from, whether the sun is shining or rain is pouring down, whether you're traveling or at home, we start up the engine of the DeLorean and we set sail to Moscow, as Siri is already wondering. What I'm wondering today, can anyone change the world coming from out of nowhere? Here we go. As I was saying, we have arrived on the DeLorean to May 28, 1987, and we have landed on the Red Square in Moscow or more specifically in the bolshoi moskuyetsky bridge, around 500 meters away from the Red Square. Along with hundreds of people that are looking around for an explanation on what just happened. A small aircraft has landed, without prior notice, right by the side of the Red Square. Nobody understands anything. No army around, no cameras. This is not an ad. And the first words coming out of the mouth of the pilot when he got down were I come on a peace mission, not from East Germany, I come from the other. I come from West Germany, from Hamburg. People can believe this. How can anyone land on the center of Moscow in their own small plane without nobody stopping them? Who dares to defy the Soviet Union security madly enough? to avoid all the systems and landing in the heart of the capital, just besides the Kremlin. And this guy comes from West Germany? Well, let's wind the clocks back some months. April 1986, accident in the nuclear power plant in Chernobyl. Some stabilities within the reactor number 4 happened on several testing, leading to the overheating of the nuclear reactor. Two explosions happened so massive that the reactor ceiling, which weighs 1,200 tons, is sent flying. The general impact is 500 times superior to the Hiroshima nuke in World War II. October 1986, Reykjavik, Iceland. Summit between US President Ronald Reagan and the General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. Main topic, to finish the Cold War, eliminating all nuclear weapons. After the initial discussions, it is agreed to make a treaty to completely banish INF weapons on all Europe, where INF stands for Intermediate Reach Nuclear Forces. The US opts for eliminating all types of missiles, including the ballistic ones, those that can reach a target successfully over more than 5,000 kilometers distance, while they are allowed to continue its research. The Soviet Union agrees as long as the research is shared by the US declines. There goes away any hope for peace in Europe for the moment. May 1987. Here comes her hero. This is Matthias Rust, a 19-year-old man from Wiedel, a small town around 17 kilometers away from Hamburg, West Germany. An idealist with a pilot license and only 50 hours flight time who considers to build an imaginary bridge between West and East to East tensions due to the Cold War. 
in an attempt to show that many Europeans want to improve over, over the current conditions. Nothing better comes to his mind than to land a small airplane in the Red Square in Moscow. A peace mission as he sees it that he commends no one. Something that has just popped into his mind seeing the Reykjavik Treaty fail. As he would confess later, I thought all the humans in this planet are responsible of some kind of progress and I was looking for the chance to contribute. Not sooner said than done, with only 50 hours flight time in his book, it was the perfect excuse to get more experience and fly freely on the north of Europe. He would not go directly to the goal, but he would find out the best way to achieve his plan. He would not go through West Germany, since it was the most guarded border in the world. So he booked a light aircraft for the three following weeks. Which one? The Cessna 172, the aircraft with the world's most successful history in terms of selling and training use. Was the first thing Matthias does? He removes the seats he was not going to use and installs extra fuel tanks in its place to gain even more flight range. He would take with him just a sleeping bag a lifesaver and a helmet in case an emergency landing would happen. May 13th, he flies towards Shetland Islands in the north of Scotland. From there he goes to Faroe Islands and then landing the next day in Reykjavik, Iceland, where he would be for a week. The same place where the treaty failed and where his hope for a new era started, however he would start flying towards the east, stopping in Bergen, Norway, and arriving into Helsinki, Finland, on May 25th. The legend would begin on May 28th. Matthias has been for a couple of days analyzing all the pros and cons of what he's about to do. He instructs that he'll only have a 50% chance of surviving the trip and arriving alive to Moscow. In that moment, the Soviet Union had the largest air defense system worldwide. In case you want to get an idea, several years prior to this, a South Korean aircraft entered the Soviet airspace without proper notice, and it was shut down with 269 casualties as everyone on board died. Not 100% sure about the plan, 21 minutes over noon, Matthias communicates with traffic control at Helsinki airport that he will fly to Stockholm, Sweden. 30 minutes into the flight, he decides to start one of the major heroic deeds in the aviation history. The first thing he does is to deactivate the aircraft's transponder. Only 40 minutes since he started and he is not on the radars anymore. Finland authorities launched an emergency rescue service, both aerial and subaquatic with divers, due to the appearance of a big oil stain in the sea. The same moment that Matthias is already entering the Soviet Union, through the land we know nowadays as Estonia. Just several minutes after, he is detected. At the moment, the Soviet Union Air Force had at their disposal 2,000 aircrafts and 8,000 missiles to defend all its territory. An incredible but old and aged defense system designed for very specific targets. They could detect large bombers flying high, but they had a hard time monitoring the smaller aircrafts flying close to the ground. 
Ironically, several things happened at the same time. This was the Border Guard Day, a festivity in which casually the border was not that much taken care of. There had been an accident also the day before, so there was a large rescue operation on the go. A lot of training pilots practicing around. Three aircraft saw Matias as he was continuing his trip, confusing him with a Jack-12, another very famous training aircraft. But the moment he does not answer to the identification demand, is the very same moment an operation to detain his aircraft begins. He is assigned combat number 8255, and the MiG jet fighter departs. When it arrives at Matthias' flying location, they engage in combat mode. After the first exchanging looks, the MiG jet asks for permission to shoot Matthias' plane down. According to the Soviet systems, pilots cannot take a plane down without prior authorization from a higher rank official. In that very moment, Sergei Sokolov, the Soviet defense minister, was in East Germany in a meeting. As Matthias feared for the worst, the MiG fighter suddenly raised up to the clouds and was never seen again. Another coincidence along the way was that all traffic was assigned to the local authorities for the day, so they were so overwhelmed with all the training pilots and their inability with transponders that they consider all flights friendly, Matthias included, without them knowing. He would be spotted three more times, you remember there was an accident the day before, right? Well, due to the rise of air traffic and traveling slowly, he was confused on the radars with the helicopters participating in the rescue operation, and he would be confused once again with the training aircraft later. As he was assigned minimum priority, he could continue his flight. 7 p.m. Matthias flies over the Moscow surroundings. But he was missing a key detail. Landing in the middle of the city, he didn't take into account the high buildings, the turns and bends to arrive properly, or the fact that he would not have a proper landing runway. His first option was to land on the Kremlin, but it was too easy for the KGB to detain him, denying the incident. And he wouldn't know if he could make it alive, so he discarded the option. As he was flying over the Red Square, he tried to land there, but it was so crowded. Knowing that his heroic flight would make history, he flew several times at a 10 meter distance from the ground, aiming for the crowd to disperse and therefore getting the desired landing runway but he could not make people go away. Despite all of this, he would be lucky one last time. The bolshoi Moskoyetsky bridge usually had four lines of crowded traffic, but that very day the trolley buses were down for maintenance. And the wiring system had been removed. In any other way, he could not have landed there. After a last lap around flying low, he could properly land on the bridge. He started signing autographs the moment he got off the plane, as they would not believe he would come from West Germany. Matthias' plan was to return back home after he landed, 
but this was impossible as he was arrested. The policemen arresting him were even more terrified as they had to explain to their superiors how a 19-year-old man could land in the heart of Moscow without no one stopping him. During the many interrogations following, he made clear time and time again that he had no accomplices and that it was a one-man-only operation. Rust was sentenced to four years in a labor camp although he would be taken finally to Lefortovo, a high-security prison in Moscow. Despite everything, his peace gesture had worked at the end. Two months after him landing in Moscow, Reagan and Gorbachev agreed to sign the treaty discussed in Reykjavik. This would be signed in 1988 the next year, the same one that Matthias would be liberated and taken back to West Germany. Every attention was on him. At the same time, Gorbachev replaced all the generals that were opposed to his reforms. Without him noticing, Rust finally achieved the peace, but he had unleashed as well, the end for the Soviet Union. Nowadays, the plane Matthias used in his trip is displayed in the German Technology Museum in Berlin. 1459 is a podcast for discovering certain events and people through history preventing them to be forgotten. Although you are listening to the English version, there is a version in Spanish of this same episode that you can find in Podbean or in any of the major social networks. Every week there will be a new episode, as well as an archive with all the previous episodes for free. Thank you for your time and for listening to 1459 Podcast. I have composed and produced all the music in the background, specifically for this podcast in order to be properly set. This has been From Out of Nowhere. Next week, we will travel to Antarctica. Until then, be good.